Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. You would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to begin reading in verse 41, read down through verse 46. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like the, a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Look with me back in verse 43, which will be our text this evening. It says, And he said unto his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, There's Nothing. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you for your mercies and goodness. Thank you for saving Izzy this morning, Lord, and thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that you continue to work. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Speak to our hearts, draw us near unto you. Strengthen us, Lord, for the work that's before us this week, Lord. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of hope, Lord, that we'll see folks come and they see these kids come, Lord, and see them, uh, those that are lost get saved. Many of them, Lord, I pray that you work in their hearts and lives. I pray for safety. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be upon the teaching, the preaching, Lord, all the work that's going on, Lord, that you might be glorified in all that's said and done. But now, Lord, we ask you to meet with us tonight, Lord. Just do a, a great work in our hearts. Challenge us, Lord. Encourage us. Strengthen us, Lord, for what you'd have in our lives. And Lord, I pray now that you would be glorified, lifted up, and we'll give you the honor and glory for our pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Just prior to this in the scripture here, you find a great challenge that took place. That challenge was between uh, uh, the prophets of Baal, there was 400 prophets of Baal, and there was Elijah. And the 400 prophets of Baal set up their, their altar there, and they, they killed a bullock and put on it, and they danced around it and called on their God to pour out the fire from heaven and consume it, showing who was the greatest God and who had the God that, that existed, and nothing happened. They went all day, nothing happened. About the time of the evening feast and time of prayer, Elijah called them over, the people over, and they, he set up the altar there, repaired the altar, he said, and, and he laid that bullock upon there, and they put the wood under it, and they poured water on it, and they poured water on it again, they poured water on it again, they, they filled up a trench that was rounded with water, and Elijah began to pray and ask God to show his hand and show himself sending fire down to consume that offering there, that bullock. Well, as the scripture brings and points out, the fire from heaven fell and consumed the bullock and even burned up the altar. And it was gone, licked up the, the water out of the trenches and even the dust and everything. And it was showed the hand of God was mighty. Well, then we find that they take the prophets of Baal down and they, they, they kill them down there and, and do away with them. 
And now Ahab has went up to eat there and he's set down to eat and Elijah has gone up now. He's about ready to pray and ask the Lord to open the windows of heaven and pour out the rain. It's been three and a half years at this point. Three and a half years since it had rained. Because of the wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel and all the wickedness that had went through the kingdom of God there and how that people were following the wrong uh, God. They were following the, the God of Baal instead of the true God of heaven. And so God just shut off the rain. For three and a half years, we're beginning to feel like that, amen, around here. And for three and a half years, um, there was no rain. And so we find that he kneels down there and he sits down there and he begins to pray. I'd like us to look at a few things concerning this, and I want you to look at this. Look at verse 42. You see, there was one victory that was taking place, and that was the fire that fell and showed that there was a God in heaven. But one victory doesn't end the need to pray and to seek the Lord for another victory. Verse 42 says, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went down upon the top, uh, up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Now he's not tired and just sitting down and trying to get rest and trying to take a nap. He took that position because he's praying. Elijah knew the work of the Lord wasn't done in, in convincing the people of the God of heaven. Yeah, they seen the firefall. They seen how they had consumed the sacrifices, even though it had been wet down with all that water that they'd carried up there. And yet there needed to be something else happen. It had rained for three and a half years. He needed to see the, the heavens open and the rain come uh, uh, upon them when they had turned to the Lord. And so we see that he begins to pray. In fact, James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, Elias, talking about Elijah here, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And then it says, and he prayed again, talking about what we just read there, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So he assumed that position of praying. Though there had been a victory, far too often we as Christians, we, we see some great movings of God, and we see the victory of God, and we, we begin to bask in it, we begin to sit back, and we begin to relax, we begin to take it easy. Not Elijah, he sat down and he began to pray for God to move in another powerful way, not just the fire that fell from heaven, but also to send the rain so that the people would, it would confirm to the people that God had moved. We sit back, we relax, we take it easy after a victory in our lives, but when we do, all we're doing is setting ourselves up for defeat just around the corner. So many times I've seen churches see some great things happen, and they begin to just sit back and take it easy. That could be us. We're seeing some great things happen. We're seeing souls saved. We're seeing lives change. We're seeing growth. We're seeing spiritual growth. We're seeing numerical growth. We're seeing everything. And it'd be easy just to sit back and, and relax and think, well, boy, that's good. We, we've seen some great victory. No, my friend, it's not time to sit back and relax. It's time to do like Elijah here and begin to pray for the next victory and asking God to do a great work and, and saving more souls and doing greater things. Amen. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Elijah wasn't done praying. He said, I'm going to pray again. He prayed again for the rain to come, and it came. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, praying always. Uh, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching there, thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Otherwise, he said, listen, he said, keep on praying. Keep on seeking God. Just keep on doing that. 
First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. We know the rest of it. For your adversary the devil walked about as a roaring lion seeking whom may devour. But he says, Be vigilant. Be busy. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on what's going on. And, and ask God to do something great and begin to work in that direction. The problem is most people see what the servant first seen. And that was nothing. Look there in verse 43. And he said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. And when he went up, he looked and said, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing there. And he goes on. And, and again, he says, go seven times. But there was nothing when he went up. One man's faith stood where another man's doubts were. Elijah had faith that the Lord was going to send the rain, but the servant seen nothing. It was no doubt a clear day and a clear view because the, the servant didn't even see a cloud to report back to Elijah about. He looked out there and said, man, there's, a, there's nothing. There's not even a little cloud. He said, there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. Elijah, uh, I know uh, you, you've been praying, but uh, I didn't see anything. I know you've been on your face praying there, and, but I didn't see anything. I didn't see nothing. And sometimes as Christians, we're that way. Because we don't see what is before us. Elijah was seeing with faith, and the servant was seeing with the physical eye. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Many Christians are going through life and they don't see what God wants them to do because they solely lean on the physical and not the faith. But Elijah once again had seen the Lord answer prayer as the fire fell and consumed the sacrifices. By faith he knew the Lord wasn't done. And he would send the rain if he'd trust him. But you know what? I fear today in a lot of Christians' lives that we go and we say, I don't see anything. I see nothing. I see nothing. You know, God's doing a work and God's doing some great things. But sometimes when we look at that, you know what we're saying? I don't see anything. I see nothing. When I look at these lives, this is like that young lady that got saved this morning. A teenager. Some people say, well, she's a teenager. And they look at that life and they see nothing. But I see the potential for God to use that young lady in a great and powerful way. Yes. I look at the different ones that got saved recently. And a lot of people say, well, I'm glad they changed and turned their life around. That's good. Yeah, but what do you see? Well, I really don't see anything. No. Hey, listen, God has the potential to take that person, use them in a powerful way to reach others for Christ and to see some great and mighty things happen in their lives and to reach others around us. So many times we don't understand what takes place. I've told her the story about how that, uh, how that uh, the lady one time, some men were out knocking on some doors and they was out in the country and they was knocking on this lady's, or she didn't know it was a lady there, but then knocked on the door and the lady come to the door and they was going to tell her about Jesus Christ and she said, listen, I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to, to talk or anything. They said, that's fine, that's okay. And they reached in their pocket, pulled out a gospel track, gave her a gospel track. They turned around, got back in their vehicles and left. Two years later, two years later, we get a letter from Germany, a letter from Germany, and it's this lady. The men didn't, didn't know who, anything about it. They didn't know her name and all that, but we get this letter, and she begins to tell the story how that her life was falling apart. 
and how that everything was on the bottom in her life. And the only thing that she knew to do, she was going where some relatives was, and she, she packed her bags, and, and she was getting ready to, she was packing her bags, and she was getting ready to go to Germany to just run away from everything that was going on in her life here. They gave her that gospel tract. She didn't even read it. She just took it like that, and for some reason, she threw it in her suitcase. She went to Germany, and somewhere along the line, she had kept that track, and I don't know if after she got there, right after, or it was a little while after that, we don't know, but she took that gospel track, and she sat down, and, and she read that gospel track that told her how she could receive Jesus Christ as her Savior, and how he would make a difference in her life, and she wrote us a letter saying, listen, she said, and she told us what was going on, and all that had taken place, and she was thanking us for coming by, because after she sat down, and her life was falling apart, even there in Germany. She began to read the track and she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. Changed her life. Something that seems so small, giving a person a gospel track. Just this past week, there was some, it hit uh, uh, whatever it is, the community forum on Facebook, whatever it is. Somebody had taken a picture of one of our tracks laying on the, the parking lot in, in Walmart and, and ridiculing the fact that we had, somebody had given out a gospel track on Walmart and said something about all of them that wind up at Walmart will wind up in the trash. Can I tell you something? Praise God. They gave the times of our services. They gave the church name and the church address. Amen. Amen. What may seem like nothing to some is something to God. You may feel like sometimes, and even this week, you may, you may just be doing something that seems so minor and so little, and, and, you, and you think it's nothing. But in the eyes of God, it's something. It might be just going around and, and making sure all the stools are flushed and everything, all the trash is picked up. It's something. It might be that you, that you have brought, brought some food and, and different things for the refreshment time and, and, and you say, well, I'm not doing anything. I just brought some stuff, went store, bought it, brought it and everything. You may think that's nothing, but in God's eyes, it's something. It's something. This little servant, he went up and he looked out across there and he come back. He said, there's nothing. There's nothing. And so many times we look at what's going on in our lives and we think, God, I'm not doing anything. There's nothing going on. And Lord, I, 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 I just don't, I don't see anything going happening. I don't, see, I don't see the hand of God. I've been praying. I don't see the hand of God. I don't see anything. I see nothing out there. And Lord, I've been asking you to do this and I see nothing. I want you to look at Elijah's response though. Here's Elijah's response. And he said, there's nothing. And he said, go again seven times. Go again seven times. Go again, not just once, but seven times. Now, a lot of times I've read that and I got to thinking about that this time. Just I was thinking about, you know, I, I, I counted the first time as part of the seven times. No, 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 no. This man actually went eight times. Because he said, go again seven times. Now, I don't know how far it was up that little, that little mountain. He had to go up there to, to look out. He went, he's at Mount Carmel there. and he, He's kind of on top, but he may have had to climb up some rocks and go up a path and, and get up there where he could look out over the sea. I don't know how far it was. Maybe it was 50 feet. Maybe it was 75. Maybe it was a half a mile. I don't know. 
But it's like this. He got up there and he went up there and he got over there like that there. And he, and, and he got he, wherever it was. He said, okay, I'll go look. And he went and looked and there was, there was nothing. He comes back to Elijah. Nothing. No, go again. I don't know why he sent me over here. Cloud, there's no clouds in the sky. There's nothing out there. There's no atlas. It's as clear as it can be. I'm telling you, I know you've been praying, but there's nothing. <laughs> I'm getting wore out. It's hot. It's dry. And there's nothing. I've been up. This is the third time I've been up. And it, there's nothing. Are you? <sighs> Slave driver. <laughs> Five times, there's nothing. Two more, two more. That's it. Get it. Would you like? Never mind. <laughs> Might know I'd have to follow a Baptist preacher around. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He thinks there's going to be something here because he's been praying. Whoop-de-doo. I know that you've seen the victory and everything, and I know the fire fell, but I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing. This is it right here. Go ahead. Seven? I've got to find me a different job. I'm getting wore out doing this. Oh, wait a minute. There's something on my glasses? Well, it's something. It's not much. It's just a little bitty cloud coming up out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. Look at that. Okay. Well, it's not a lot, but there's a cloud about the size of a man's hand coming up out of the sea. What did I tell you? You wore me out running back and forth. That's what you did. <laughs> seven times. What did he see? Actually seven times because he went the first time. And he went six more times. He seen nothing. You know, a lot of times in our prayer life, a lot of times in our life when we're trying to see God do something, we don't see anything. We see nothing. Nothing. But it's not time to quit. You can imagine the thoughts of that servant each time he saw nothing. He went only probably out of obedience unto, unto, unto Elijah because he was Elijah's servant. Seven is the number of completion and perfection in the Bible. 
fact, you go through the Bible and you'll find seven, 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 seven. You'll begin to find seven in many different situations. And, and, and you can look at it and, and, and you can see how that God uses that number seven. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 15 says, And it came to pass on the seventh day, this is when the children of Israel had come over the river Jordan and they had come to Jericho. They rose up early in the, about the dawn of the, of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day did they compass the city seven times. What day was it? It was the seventh day. What did they see happen on that seventh day? Victory. They seen the hand of God cause those walls to collapse inside and they was able to go in and defeat the enemy there. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 10 that Elisha sent a messenger unto, uh, Elisha sent a messenger unto them saying, go wash yourself. This was talking about Naaman the leper. Naaman the leper came and and he had leprosy and he came because he'd hurt the little maiden that had been taken captive in his house. And this, this uh, captain of this army, uh, the little girl went to him and said, listen, if you, if you could just get to, to the man of God, he'll tell you and he could heal you of your leprosy. So here comes Naaman. He comes up to, to where Elisha is. Not Elijah, Elisha. And he, he goes and he, he expects Elisha to come out and pray over him and say the chants and stuff over him and, and heal him of his leprosy, but he doesn't. He don't even come out. He sends his servant out and tells Nathan, or Naaman, he said, go dip yourself seven times. Seven times. Seven times. In the river, dirty river Jordan. Naaman gets all upset. He said, hey, that's not going to do anything. Why not go back to Abana and Farfar over in our land, which are good, clean rivers, and dip in them? Why should I go up to this muddy river Jordan and dip seven times in it? This, this is a bunch of stuff. I, I'll see nothing but muddy water. But they convinced him to go. He went down and he dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And on the seventh time, his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Seven times. Seven times. The psalmist says in Psalms 164 verse, or in Psalms 119, 164 says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. That's David. He said, Lord, I praise you seven times a day. Not just once. Not just twice. Not just three times. Not just four times. Not just five times. But seven times, Lord, I, I praise thee daily. There's something about that number of seven as a completion and perfection. But really what I want you to consider tonight is this. I want you to consider the response that Elijah says, and that response is this, go again. Go again. Otherwise, pray. And when you see nothing, go again and pray until you see the hand of God. Witness, and even if there's nothing, go again. I think of a man by the name of 
Bill Mounts. Down in southeast Missouri where I was born and raised and was youth pastor down there for 17 years in the church. And we would go out on Thursday night uh, knocking on doors and witnessing the people, talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to see them uh, receive Christ as Savior. And there was a period of time there for probably a year. And I'm not exaggerating. Probably a year. Practically every Thursday night. I did it so often I felt ashamed of myself in a way, but God kept telling me to keep going. And I'd go and I'd knock on Bill Mounts' door and he'd, he'd welcome me in. He knew. It got to a point that Bill knew I would be there on, on Thursday night and I would get there. He'd have a glass of iced tea waiting on me. Every Thursday night. And Bill would sit there and I'd witness to him. I'd talk with him for a while and I'd witness to him and, and I'd plead with him and Dustin get saved. And, and he, he even at times with tears rolling down his face, he said, I'm going to one of these days. I'm going to. And, and he said, but I've got, I've got to get rid of this in my life and I've got to change this in my life and I've got to do this in my life. And then one day somebody told me, said, hey, did you hear that Bill Mounts and his wife and the younger kids moved? I said, where'd they move to? It's completely out of state. And I was like, nothing. Nothing. All those times I'd went and witnessed to him. All those times I'd sit down and talk to him. All the, the prayer that I'd prayed and, weekly and asking God to save this man. One Sunday night, we always sit on the front row. I didn't want Janine to be a backslider. <laughs> so we sit on the front row. As we had our teenagers in the rows behind us. If they didn't sit with their parents, they had to sit in the row behind us, the two rows behind us. We'd fill them up. We'd sit on the front row. About the time that they did the announcements before Brother Parker was getting up ready to preach and everything, I heard somebody say, can I say something? And I had to turn around because it was in the complete back far corner and turn around and kind of look. And I thought, he looks familiar. I said the back corner is on the aisle, but on this side. Caddy corner from us. And it was Bill Mounts. I don't ever remember Bill coming to church. He stood up and he said, I just want to tell you some thankings. Never given up on me. He said, saved. The whole time we thought, nothing. Go again. Go again. Go again. Over the years, my uncle, and I've told you about this, but my uncle, a good man, godly, or not godly, but a good man, just a real good man, and, and we had witnessed to him, and my kids had witnessed to him, and, and Christian had, would send him gospel tracts in the mail and, and try to talk to him, and we'd try to talk to him about salvation, and, and he was just a good man, and he just thought that his goodness was all that he needed, that he was just a good man. He might answer, oh, he's a good man, he's alright, he's going to heaven when he dies. But have no testimony of really ever receiving Jesus Christ as his Savior. Seldom went to church, but went once in a while. And at one point, I felt like there's just not going to be anything, nothing. And I remember that day, we went down there, and he'd been having some heart problems to sit down with him. I said, hey, listen, Uncle Lynn, I said, you got heart problems. If you died, I said, do you know where you spend eternity? He said, no, I don't. I said, would you let me take a Bible and show you how you can know? He said, yes. We went out in the sunroom for two hours. 
He's a very intellectual man, very smart man. For two hours, he asked questions. We gave him the scripture. And finally, I seen that God had broke that shell. I said, Uncle Ian, would you like to bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart life be you saved? He said, yes, I would. And he bowed there at 89 years of age and asked Jesus Christ to save him. But until then, it was like nothing. Nothing. Baptized him when he was 91. Sent him growing the Lord. He lived to be 100 years old. Buried him last November. But until that day, it seemed like nothing. There may be people you're praying for. There may be people you've been talking to at work. There may be people uh, 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 that's in your family that you've been trying to witness to. There may have been people you've been trying to get to come to church and it just seems like nothing. And Elijah said, go again. Go again. When others quit, go again. When there's doubts and you don't see the Lord moving, go again. Even though, the, you're, even though you're in this world and, and you don't see anything happening, just keep on going again. Go again. Live for God. Boy, while, while, while everything's going down the tubes and, and everybody's sewing up their hands and we're not seeing anything happen, hey, listen, go again. Uh, preachers ought to just say, keep on going again. Uh, missionaries ought to keep going again. We just got to keep on going again. Get in that book and go again. Have you said, well, preacher, I've been reading the book and it just seems like I'm up against the wall. Go again. Or preacher, I've been praying about this and praying about this and praying about this. And it seems like I'm not getting anywhere. It doesn't seem like God's answering. Well, go again. Go again. Go again. And then there came a little cloud. Just a little one. Verse 44 says, And it came to pass the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. He said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. It wasn't a big cloud. It, was a, it wasn't a furious cloud with lightning. It was a little cloud coming out of the, the sea like a man's hand. Something's getting ready to happen. Something's about to take place. It's been three and a half years since there's been any rain. It's been dry. It's been devastating. Many of their animals and their crops have died. There's been, there, there's been hope, but there's been no rain. But there's a little cloud. Then Elijah sent him to Ahab and told him, He'd better get his chariot ready and get it moving because God's going to send a rain. Do you know what I believe God's trying to tell all of us? Go again. I'm getting ready to send a rain. I'm not talking about the rain that we think that we need out here, and we do need one. I'm talking about a spiritual rain. And God says, get you up. Get ready. Because I'm going to show you something else. I've shown you my power in calling down fire from heaven and, and, and consuming the sacrifice. But I'm getting ready to open the heavens and bring some rain. It wasn't going to be a sprinkle. A sprinkle wouldn't stop a chariot. It wasn't going to just be a soaker. That wouldn't stop a horse and a chariot. 
It was, it was going to be a gusher. So prepare for a gusher when, when God sends your rains. Prepare for what God wants to do because he said, uh, go again. He said, I'm going to do something. There's going to be, it may look like a little cloud to you. It may look like it's not big enough, like big enough to do you any good. And you look out there and you see that. But my friend, he says, get ready. He said, I'm going to do something in your heart and life. I'm going to do something in your, in, in your church. I'm going to do something in, in, the, in your area. He said, I want you to look up there. He said, listen, there's a little hand up there, a little cloud like that, but I'm sending the rain. You read about it. God sent the rain. And apparently... And I believe that we talk, you read on there, and, and the last verse, it talks about really how that Elijah outran the chariot. And I've thought about that. I thought, man, he, God just zapped him, and man, he was, he was like uh, Hussein Bolt, that guy that could run so fast and everything. Man, he outran that chariot. He beat Ahab back to the gates of the city. And I got to look at this, I thought, you know why, probably? He probably did run fast. But the mud from the rain that God said he would send slowed down the horse and the chariot too. My God's awesome. Man, I tell you what, he can send a rain that'll stop a horse and a chariot. Say, preacher, we need one out here. I'm right now, well, I know that, but I'm talking about a spiritual rain. See, God do some great mighty things. Well, preacher, we're not seeing, we're seeing nothing in the world today. Well, go again. Yeah, but we've been praying. We've been praying for revival across this country. We've been praying for revival in our own town. We've been praying for revival in our church. We've been praying for revival, and, and we're not seeing anything. We're seeing nothing. Just go again. Go again. Preacher, I got this problem. Go again. Yeah, but I've been praying. I've been praying for I've been praying for weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, go again. I have this need in my life. Well, go again. Yeah, but I, I've been praying and it just seems like there's something. If it's anything, it's just a little bitty thing out there. It's not, it's not gonna answer, it's not gonna be enough. You better get your chariot ready. I think part of the time what happens to us is we look out there and we say, we've been praying and, and God puts that little cloud up there and we say, that won't do anything. God says, okay. I'll keep the cloud. The rain hadn't even come. But Elijah said, by faith, you better go tell Ahab, he better get that chariot ready and he better beat it to the house. Lest the rain stop him. And all it was was a little cloud to begin with. But apparently it turned into a big cloud and lots of rain. What may seem small to you and I can turn to a big rain. See one saved here, see one saved there. Boy, I tell you what, it can turn to a big rain. Seeing God answer prayer in your life, it can turn to a big rain. Preacher, you've been praying and just don't seem like there's anything here. Go again. Go again. 
The preacher, there's nothing. Go again then. Go again, nothing. 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 Go the seventh time and see what God has prepared. You say, well, preacher, you mean if, if I pray seven times, God is going to answer that? I didn't tell you that. I just said go again. Go again. Keep on seeking the Lord. And your nothing will turn into a gusher for the honor and glory of God. Some of you sitting here tonight, and there's situations in your life, and you're thinking, I don't know what to do. Some of you sitting here, and you're facing some issues, and you don't know what, what's going to happen. You say, I don't know. What do you do? I say the first thing is do like Elijah. Find you a spot up on the, on the mount. Stick your head between your knees. You better not literally, some of you. Bow that head before God and pray. And keep on going. And go again. And go again. You say, well, preacher, what if I go again? And nothing happens. Then go again. But what if I go again and 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 nothing happens? I ask you something. Have you wasted your time trusting God? No. Because He's actually doing something. Because He's doing something in your life. Because just like the servant that came and Elijah told him, he obeyed. You and I, it's not our job to come up with the results. It's our job to obey and go again. Let God take care of the cloud. Let God bring the rain. You and me, we just need to obey and go. Let's bow. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, though there may seem like nothing, help us to go again. Lord, that you might be glorified, that you might be lifted up. Lord, that the rain, help us to prepare for the rain. Help us to do what you want us to do. Help us to live for you. Help us to be that witness. Help us to take the gospel. Help us, Lord, to be that blessing. Lord, I pray that we would get like Elijah, stick that head between those knees and pray and seek your face. And Lord, I pray that we'd be obedient like that servant. And Lord, we'd go as you told us to go. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?